Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Medicine and philosophy are today seen as two very different disciplines, but it wasn't always so. There's been a strong tradition of philosophizing physicians stretching back to Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, through John Locke, William James and Sigmund Freud, among many others. So there's no contradiction in Dr. Marcus de Bruyne being a practicing doctor in North County Dublin while also publishing a book on philosophy. It's called Being and Belonging, and in it he explores the nature of human instinct and the sources of human discontent. I started by asking him whether happiness should be seen as a proper goal of human life. Absolutely. I think that ultimately there's an equilibrium that human beings are striving towards a happiness. And I think if we can understand what really makes us happy, I think oftentimes we pursue things like wealth or like, you know, cars or designer labels and things. And ultimately, as we get older and and when we have the luxury of having those things, we realize that they're not actually the things that have made us happy. So I think if we go back to basics and we ask ourselves the fundamental question, what it is that happiness is and what it is that we're striving for, Understanding ourselves and understanding what happiness is, I think, is probably one of the most important objectives of human existence. And you might take us through a little bit of the argument you have around instincts and desires, and because we have all these desires, we want wealth, fame, uh, also contentment, spiritual contentment, all these various things. Some of them come from our upbringing, some of them from society. How, do, how does one navigate that? How do you know what desires, what instincts to yield to, what to, to fight against? Yeah. Well, well, that, I suppose, is probably the piece of the, of the, or that's the bigger picture of the puzzle that I try and approach um, in my book. I think that there, there, there is this hierarchy of needs that, that Maslow um, um, came up with um, um, quite a few years ago, and I don't know if it's still traditionally taught um, to psychology students, but Maslow was the initial psychologist who tried to define the hierarchy and what's, imp- what's most important in, term of, in terms of human needs. I think that Maslow's hierarchy was entirely fundamentally flawed. Um, my premise and my idea is, is that I feel that the most important instinct, the, 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 the cardinal instinct in, in the human subject, in us as individuals, is our, the instinctual imperative to belong to another. Um, to belong, we start out wanting to belong to our mothers, where, where our anatomy and physiology is all engineered towards physical attachment to the maternal breast, to, to calling for the mother's attention, to all of our reflexes are to grab and hold on to the mother. Our sensory nerves are concentrated in the lips to the greatest degree so that we can find the mother's breast. Belonging is, I think, the cardinal instinctual imperative. And I think the poets and the artists have a name for that. They call that love as such. And how we define love as we get older is a different subject altogether. But ultimately, love or belonging 
is the cardinal instinctual imperative. And all of these things that we do, I mean, essentially we buy cars and we buy clothes and we buy fashion and we, we speak a certain way and we speak a certain language. All of the things we do can ultimately trace, be traced back to the basic imperative to belong to a particular group. If you take, for example, um, a suicide, a human being will overcome you know, all of his basic drives um, will 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 surpass or will ignore all of his basic drives in terms of when he self-destructs, you know, to to kill oneself, and and generally speaking, you know, in my experience in the practice of medicine and, and in the practice of psychology, rejection or the fear of rejection is probably the most common theme that runs through self self-destruction or suicide, and essentially what is. Uh, rejection only uh, uh, a cut-off or a truncation or an end or a termination of the instinctual imperative to belong as such. So I think that that's the primary uh, instinctual basis of our existence as such. I might ask you just on, on the question of suicide, because I know Desmond Fennell, who, who would have influenced you and you have regular dialogues with, um, has written about that, that very often the, the, it's, it's approached purely as a, as a psychological medical problem and, and kind of the, the existential kind of questions that, that are often raised by the issue or the, or the um, philosophical issue, issues are kind of left to one side. I don't know. Is that part of your, your critique here, that whether it's, it's that particular issue or other issues, that the philosophical is left out of, of discourse, whether it's public discourse or even just the ordinary discourse between people? I think that that's, that, that that's, actually, that's a fundamental point throughout um, my writings and perhaps through, through, through a lot of, of Desmond Fennell's writings and a, and a lot of others, that essentially in our modern world, in our modern society of the Internet, of Google, of we want information, we want it fast, and we want sound bites, we want it quick. The capacity for actual analysis and thought and thinking about the bigger picture or the deeper issues is slowly disappearing, and it, I think it's under very, very serious threat. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest tragedies that defines our modern era, is that we are losing the capacity to think about things in a deeper way. Now, I mean, to apply the word philosophy to that again, I find that distasteful, because actually what we're describing when we analyze and when we think about things is human thought. And so there is something going on at the moment in the world. There is, in the Western world, particularly in, in Irish society, there is a contraction in the intellectual capacity, I think, of, of us, of our society. And that's relative to our need and our desire to have short pieces of information without having to think about it and to try and cram as many short pieces of information into our day as we can but all of those short pieces of information have a massive story behind them you know that we're not talking about and we're not thinking about the deeper issues are, are being lost the real questions are being lost and you know a sign of that and i suppose a, a, a byproduct of that is is that Ireland's intellectual life, if we even have one, is, is, is hemorrhaging or is, is suffering or is dwindling. I mean, when you look at intellectuals or, or people who do think deeply or, or, or talk about these things, you know, the big names in Irish society, they're gone, they leave, they publish abroad, you know. The, the, the intellectual life of Ireland is something that's dying, and I think that's certainly
wouldn't be a big tragedy. But to play devil's advocate for a minute, I mean, the, maybe one of the, some of the resistance to philosophy is the fact that it feels hard and it also maybe feels like you're not getting anywhere with it. And, you know, so when people kind of instinctively are drawn towards the, the soundbite or the, the easy fix, I mean, it, it plays to a very human instinct and, and there's a lot of psychological research showing people much prefer the, the easier course than the hard one and, and go for the quick fix if they can. So it, again, coming back to the, the, the instinct, so, I mean, there, there is a human instinct, if you like, to, to avoid the hard work of philosophy. I mean, how do we know it's worth the, the journey? How do we know that actually it, it makes life more fulfilling, more happy, if you, go, if you follow the, the intellectual life? It's not worth the journey, and it doesn't make life worth more, more fulfilling in the society that we live in today. Thinking, reading, talking. I mean, Ireland has got one of the most amazing intellectual heritages on the planet. You know, when you look at people like Joyce and Beckett, you know, but if you go through Irish society, you're far more likely to find a copy of the Argos catalogue on Irish coffee tables than a copy of Beckett or Joyce or that sort of thing. Um, we, we don't, it doesn't have intellectuality, that philosophy, that horrible word again. It doesn't have a social currency. I mean, we're still talking about even teaching it in schools. It's still a novel idea, even though it is the very first uh, process of thinking and teaching in the very first schools. The, the, all came out of the school of, of philosophy as such. You know? So it doesn't have a social currency. It isn't socially valid. You're not going to get any kudos. If you mention the word philosophy at a coffee table or around din dinner table in good company, it's almost like farting, you know, people kind of start to get nervous and think you're going to start to use big dangerous nasty words or something and scare them off and, you know, and, and turn the conversation sour or get all deep and serious and, you know, you, you, but, so ultimately, no, it doesn't have a social currency, but, you know, I mean, like climbing a mountain or putting on your runners and going out in the morning and going for a jog, as the weightlifters say, no pain, no gain, you know, I mean, once you start that, once you do get on the runners, and once you do actually start that journey, it is actually more fulfilling and more enjoyable and more pleasing and more lasting and more rewarding than what society tells us generally we should be devoting our life to. Personally, I, as I said, I, I, I failed my leaving cert. I, I, I was working on the building sites in London, hauling bags of plaster up and down a ladder for a, a Pakistani man, you know, after I, I, I did my, my leaving cert. But reading um, gave me the self-confidence to realise that I could actually do more than that. that it gave me my confidence. What the Irish education system took away from me, reading, independent reading, gave me back. And your day job is as a GP, and I'm just wondering, um, do you marry some of your philosophical outlook with, with that practice? I mean, I, I, I can imagine you're perhaps sending out some patients to say, listen, I've got a cure for you, it's going to hurt, you won't enjoy it initially, but in the long run it'll do you some good. I don't know, do, do you bring some of it into your practice? Absolutely, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, you know, my prime objective when a patient comes in the door, generally speaking, is actually to disarm them of the language that they've been pro that we've been programmed to express our pain and our hurt and our unhappiness in you know like uh, we want our, our philosophy sugar coated into sound bites you know 
we also sugarcoat and soundbite the deeper philosophy of self in terms of more often than not uh, people will come to me with a back pain or with a backache or a headache or a migraine or a chronic fatigue syndrome or a myriad of medical conditions that actually are just other words or ways that they have, socially acceptable ways that they have, that we have, of expressing our unhappiness. And, you know, my cardinal, my, the first question, and perhaps not the first question, but certainly the most important question that, that, that I ask somebody who tells me that they're in pain is, is, you know, how happy are they? And are they, is there an unhappiness element to this pain? And in my experience, in the majority of cases, unhappiness is the thing that makes a bearable pain into an unbearable pain. But, you know, we want the MRI scanner. Again, we want the sugar coating. We want to see the orthopedic surgeon. We want the specialist to talk to us and tell us and find and give us a nice big name for this condition that we've got. Because all that is socially acceptable. But actually, if we look deeper into ourselves and we ask, is there an unhappiness? Am, how, am I sexually fulfilled? Am I emotionally fulfilled? Am I happy with my husband, with my children? Are we communicating as a family? Are we happy as a family unit? These basic questions, they don't have a kind of a valid social currency, especially not in the GP's office where it's an MRI scan or an antibiotic. So absolutely, this, the question of happiness and individual happiness would be a, a very, very important part of my practice as a physician. And I think it should be a part of the practice of all physicians. Mark Stabrun, thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.